welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things relating to your well-being, including interviews with experts in the fields of nutrition, physical and mental health, and my 5-Minute Food Facts series. I am Amanda Hayes, your host, a nutritionist with a passion for well-being. Before I introduce today's guest, I will take a moment to let you know that you can subscribe to my podcast on YouTube, hit the red subscribe button, or on your favourite podcast app, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I will also mention that although I will often be speaking with experts, any information or advice provided in Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast is not intended to be used to treat, cure, or prevent injuries or medical conditions and is not a substitute for advice from your own health professional. Today I am chatting with William Pullen. He's a psychotherapist based in London. He helps people work through their issues using dynamic running therapy, a method that he developed. It has been described as a radical new approach to mindfulness. I hope you enjoy this discussion. I find the whole concept really interesting and I've been practicing some of William's methods during my own runs. It's my pleasure to be chatting with William Pullen today. Hi William, welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast and thank you uh, for being Hi guest. Amanda. William, to set the scene for us, can you please explain to me and our listeners what a psychotherapist does and how that differs, and I expect overlaps to some extent, with what a psychologist does. Uh, with pleasure. So a psychologist really sort of tries to understand the world in terms of disorders and tries to treat you according to a disorder, so is quite prescriptive. That's my understanding. Of course, mm -hmm. I'm not a psychologist. As a psychotherapist, on the other hand, we are much less interested in what uh, disorder. We're not interested in naming things. I think there's a not. Uh, by the way, some therapists are, but I would say the the majority aren't. And there's a there's a fear that in the process of naming, you pathologize and you oh, entrap right. people into different ways of being, and 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 also you bring in your own particular history of all the people you've treated and you imagine that that's all relevant. Now, as a therapist, your primary job is to sort of witness people. It's to travel on a journey with them. It's not to name the things along mm -hmm. the way necessarily. So it's more, more organic. Right. It sounds like it involves quite a lot of empathy then. You know. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's probably the most important. And, and wisdom. Yes. So what drew you to qualifying as a psychotherapist? Well, I was very short on wisdom. Um, when I was about 39, I, I had all sorts of fairly poor lifestyle choices, and um, I had a bit of a meltdown. You can see all of this and the details of it in a TEDx talk I did, which is on oh, yes. YouTube. Mm. Have you? I'll <laughs> yeah. put a link to that in the show notes. Oh, great. Well, so, um, yeah, so I, I end up very depressed uh, and um, I'm feeling very sort of lost. And, and powerless and so I after a while I I, I took up uh, running and I took up psychotherapy I took up psychotherapy first that helped I then took up running that helped a whole lot more and 
about a year later, I asked my therapist whether I might start training if he thought I was a good candidate. And he said, yeah, sure, why not? And so I did. I started training and I, I always felt that I'd probably make a better I, my interest was more an academic interest, I felt. I wasn't sure I'd be qualified, the right sort of person to be a therapist. You know, you, <laughs> you know, one always, one always worries that one's own um, history would interrupt you. But in yeah. fact, in the world of therapy, we call ourselves, or we are known, we don't call ourselves, but others call us with wounded healers. Because actually, you know, if you have dealt quite well with your own drama, uh, it gives you a, a front row seat and a Absolutely. front row experience to helping others. Yeah, and that's probably where the empathy comes in as well, isn't it? You have a personal understanding. Yeah. And yes, so absolutely. What, what did the training involve? So you do a you do first you do a foundation course which lasts about a year, uh, and that's really to discover whether you uh, have any sort of interest in any skills. Then you'll do a master's, which takes about two years, and then you do um, what's known as uh, a placement, and that's about 450 hours, mm -hmm. hour by hour of working as a therapist in sort of drop-in centers and places like that, right. typically for free, and that takes about three, four years. It's hard work, let me Sounds tell you. Like I mean, it. it would be, yeah, yeah. And there's not much money out the other side of it either. So, you know, for all that hard work, you could train to be a doctor in the same amount of time yeah. or something else and, and make much more money. I always tell people who are interested, I say, for God's sake, don't do it for the money. Yeah, as, as long as you're going in with your eyes open, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So, You're a doctor, right, Amanda? No, no, I'm a nutritionist. There's not a lot of money in that either. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we have to well, do other things on the side. <laughs> yes, unless you write a best-selling book. Yeah, that seems to be a good good option. Um, so you trained to become a psychotherapist and you said you took up running. So is running something you came to in your late 30s or early 40s? Yes, it is. And, and I, it was so instrumental in my recovery uh, f that I really and, – and, and talk and I noticed how, as I was running, it, it did all these things for me. Mm -hmm. it, it gave me a sense of confidence, gave me a sense of being grounded and felt recently. It gave me a sense of, uh, of, of empowerment, and, and it made talking easy. I was running mm -hmm. with a friend, and it was really easy to open up, and I found myself – able to drill down more easily. In fact, not even drilling down, because that makes it sound like I, I'm the driller. It was more like it just came up and it flowed easy and naturally it didn't feel awkward. And it was it, it just the answers were there and the, uh, and the working through it was there. And so I thought, if I can combine this, if I can yeah. turn this into one of the 400 approaches of psychotherapy, then this could be really great. Yeah, well, that's, that leads to my next question. So you obviously merged the therapy and the running and you've come up with dynamic running therapy, which been has been described as revolutionary and a radical new approach. So that's really interesting. Can you tell us what dynamic running therapy is? What, what does it mean? Well, if you were to do it with so so I've got an app you could do it with the app and it looks like one thing there if you do it via the book it looks like one thing there if you do it with me personally it looks like another thing there so 
let's say that we're talking about doing it with me, then it's really much more organic. So it's just like therapy on the move, really. Instead of sitting with me, we go out and uh, it's open-ended. You know, it's a 50-minute session, but we, this could be six months, six years, six weeks. And we're going to talk through the things that are important to you. Um, but two really important parts there are, one, I'm going to be informed by uh, – what I notice your body telling me as you tell as you tell me things, you speed up, you slow down. I'm also, I hope, going to enjoy and you're going to enjoy that process of stuff coming up and you working through it. And really important to it, actually, is your decision of how you want to move and use that 50 minutes. Because uh, when it's person to person, the session is led by the client. And so we've got 50 minutes. You can run through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You can sit through the whole thing. Mostly people combine the two, and normally it's about 10 minutes of running if I was to average it out. So if you had six clients in a day, theoretically you could run for well, six lots of 50 yeah. minutes. <laughs> yes, yes. You must be very fit. But it's not like... <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm pretty fit, but yeah, it's never like that. You no, know, it's no. more like 10 minutes of really slow running. People don't want to, people know, I mean, and one of the things I say to people is, you know, don't come to, to, to do dynamic running therapy if you think it's a get fit program and don't come yeah, here sure. if you think that you're going to use your body to strive and push through these emotions because you're not. You're just using it to help the flow a little bit and yes. stopping and learning how not to push yourself is probably going to be as important as learning uh, doing the DRT in any other way. So the movement just facilitates the flow then from what I'm understanding? That's correct. And then there's this other really important piece where we travel side by side and that creates a camaraderie, it creates... It enhances the uh, therapeutic alliance, which research shows is, is a really important com component to mm -hmm. therapy outcome. There's a sense of doing two things together and two fairly timeless things, uh, yes. you know, movement and talking. And I think, I think that then, that then it, 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 uh, it exploits something that's deep down in our DNA. I think that's why the stories come up so easily. You know, anytime you're in a car side by side with somebody, often you'll end up storytelling. Yes, uh, and and opening up, and parents know it's easier to talk to their kids in that way. So, yeah, that yeah. that's a big part of it. There's a power part there as well, where you know, as a client, you know, I've had to come to you. I've had to travel to the park. I'm going to take every step you take. There's no hiding out for me. I'm having to run along with yeah. you here. I'm engaged. That's quite reassuring for a lot of people. And I'm also not staring you down. We're side by no. side, and I think. That can be much less intimidating. Yeah, so it I like sounds to think like that, it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I interrupted. Go no, on. No, no. I was just wondering, though, because it's called dynamic running therapy, what about clients that come to you and say, oh, I don't like running or I can't run? Then what? Well, I would say, you know, walking works as well. I'm, I always like to get a bit of – I like to get the heart moving because I think that helps – the sense of engagement in the process. Yeah. So if we can do the fastest walk they can get going, I still think that has more than enough value on it. Yes, I guess it. humans weren't made to just sit down all day, were we? So I think I can understand why moving helps the process. Um, yeah. And so what are some of the results that you've seen? Well, 
I think it's it's immediately empowering. I think that's one of the things mm. you you notice people that have really felt out of their bodies and disembodied, di- di- disenchanted with the world. Suddenly, there's there's fresh air and there's a sense of being somewhere and doing something with the body. The you know yeah. when we get emotionally upset, trauma tends to take us into the mind. And that takes us away from the body. So any methodology for returning to the body, that's why, you know, that's why singing in, in, in a choir is so therapeutic or joining a, a, a drum beating group. Mm. Um, you're, doing, you're using your body. Rhythm is there. And it, and, it's just, and it gets you out of the mind and back into the greater world. What about, we touched on this very briefly, but you're, own running experience so you came to running late in life from the sounds of it do you love running now you know i love running with other people if if if, with other people i love running about 90 percent of the time 95 percent without other people it's probably down to sort of 50 I like chatting to people. It takes my mind off the run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although today you I know, went – sorry, you go. No, no, you go. I was going to say today I went on my run and I practiced your um, counting to 10 steps um, repeatedly oh, yeah. as a way of meditation and, and that was great because I was getting a bit tired so it took my mind off it. So. It's funny, I was doing exactly that last night because I was, it's bank holiday weekend or it was uh, yesterday. Um, and I had gone out to the countryside here in England to a place called the Chilterns, which is west of London, some, some mountains, uh, hills rather, about 50 miles west of London in the, in the Thames Valley, just nice. above the Thames itself. And uh, I've been for a 10-mile walk there. And then I joined my run group in the evening, and that meant a four-mile run. And I was pretty exhausted. It was the hottest, hottest bank holiday in history. So I was <laughs> hot and dehydrated. My legs were tired. But when I started to really suffer, um, I just started doing the counting thing as well. And it really does help. Yeah, it, it really helps. helps. Take you. Around. So yes, count. Yes, I like that. So I'll keep doing that. So, William, you've also written a book which is called Run for Your Life, Mindful Running for a Happy Life. That's the English title. What's the title of the book in the US? Running with Mindfulness. Running with Mindfulness, just in case we have yeah. any, any listeners in the US. And so what prompted you to write the book? Well, frankly, I, 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 I was friendly with an agent. I'd always had a hope to give something to the world of self-help, mm-hmm. to the world of therapy. It's always, I mean, I've been reading self-help books since I was God knows what age. Uh, and I've been studying philosophy since I was God knows what age. And just the human condition fascinates me. Mm-hmm. So I had this fantasy and it suddenly, it all seemed to come together. You know, it began with me depressed. Uh, then I became a therapist. Then I thought, let me develop, let me see if I can develop this into a therapy. I mean, it was a, it was a long shot. You know, it's still not a. It's not as though you know, ninety percent of the population is 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 doing dynamic running therapy. It's still a niche approach. But then, um, Penguin seemed to be interested in publishing 
my book on 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 um, a book on using running to and mindful running to create um, better mental and physical health and uh, it's in 13 countries now so I'm quite proud of it all right fantastic so it's been translated as well has it yeah yeah, yeah. even in Taiwan they're running around doing it Excellent. Can you tell us a bit about how the book is set out and structured? Yes, I can. So what you'll find in there, a bit like the app, you'll find 20 – actually, no, that's not true. It's actually different. So in the in the book, you'll find different chapters for different conditions. Mm. Um so there'll be there's anger, there's depression, there's anxiety, uh, relationship problems, all sorts of things. And in each chapter, I provide you with a bunch of questions to run with and then a place to fill out the answer. So you're using you hold the, the day's question on the subject of anxiety. How does anxiety affect you? What is your relationship with you? What are the choices? What are your expectations? These sorts of things. And I ask you to run with it and then write down and then you reflect on 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 the 20 sessions that you've had running and so that's a sort of methodology in the book as well is a good a good description of mindful running mindful walking mm-hmm. one of the chapters in the book that william is particularly proud of is focused on parents running with their children and this is what he says about it there are there are a bunch of questions in there that you can ask them about their life and it and just make running easier or make getting to know your kid easier through running the book is also a workbook It contains spaces for you to write answers to specific questions. For example, in the chapter on anxiety, one of the questions is, what words would you use to describe the anxiety you feel? Well, also, I think writing helps uh, with two things. It helps to clarify what you're trying to say. When I get particularly upset, I'll suddenly remember, oh, God, journal about it. Mm. You know, it really helps to get it out of the self and onto a piece of paper and you actually feel bizarrely relieved so it has a a, a double a double power so it's no accident that that it's journaling in there and one of the things i really like about your book is you talk about forming a relationship with yourself and this is mm. really interesting to me because it's become up it's come up a lot in the podcasts i've done with other people in relation to mental well-being and things like this so when you talk about forming a relationship with yourself and self-acceptance what does that mean well it's funny because i think for particularly for older generations when i mentioned that to my mother that that was a critical theme throughout the book she said what are you talking about what do you mean a relationship with yourself so i know there are, you know, some older generations can find that very very sort of weird and new age and, and literally quite impossible to to uh, to understand but what i'm talking about is how you manage the feelings that you have about yourself and the world what you do with those feelings and those and those understandings that you have about who you are mm. and i'm always asking people to take care with that don't just lazily play the same bad broken record about how you're a bad broken person you know be more gentle with yourself be more understanding everybody's bad and broken okay start from that place and, and and work backwards and just notice. So I ask people to notice the, the quality and quantity of, of their inner dialogue and to make effort to change it here and yeah. there, you know, to soften the words, 
to start to notice the process. Notice when that record comes on. You don't have to play the whole record. Look, there's that record. I can turn it off. Why not turn it off? Because I've played the record 300 times. Yeah. I already know what that song sounds like. So why do you think then you said we're all bad and broken? Why are we all so hard on ourselves? Ooh, that's a big question. Yeah. Well, I think that, I think a big part, uh, apart from religion, which I think has probably as much good, if not more than it has bad, um, I would say that it's the parents, you know, as animals, we're, we're hot-wired for survival. Mm. And your parents' job is to incubate you as children and teach you about the difficult ways of the world. And one of the things they have to do is to teach you discipline. Because if you, if you can't, one, if you're undisciplined for them, you're going to cause havoc for the whole family. So they need you to be a decent player within the family but more importantly when you grow up if you have no self-discipline if you have nobody saying yeah i'd probably better go to work you know it's probably is the right thing to do um then you are much like much more likely to end up um homeless i suppose or without a without a family without a career and so it's a survival-based thing i think we you we uh but then i'd also add that i think there's something about the superego in psychoanalytic terms, it's a way of knowing the self. In order, you create the illusion of the self in the first place, and then you've got to master that self. So you've got to, you've got to, you've got to manage the ego. And if I don't manage my own ego, my own sense of self, then I might become a monster, and I might then predate other people, or I might make the mistake of of thinking I'm too fantastic which one everybody leaves me because they can't bear me. <laughs> it sounds almost like the opposite to Buddhism where you try and have no ego. So yes, interesting. It really is. I think yeah. it really is. And 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 you know, I I love the I love Buddhism. I'm I'm probably more Buddhist than anything else and I love the idea that most of your problems come from a place of desire. Either you desire more of something or you desire less of something. Yeah, your attachment um, um, to but, things. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, are, you, are you Buddhist? I, I love it as well and I follow a Buddhist course, but I'm, I'm a learner. <laughs> yeah, a oh, beginner, beginner's yeah. mind. Yeah. <laughs> very good, yeah. very good. That's where we've all got to stay. And then we die. I mean, that's the best, that's the nice. And you know what, with beginner's mind, it's not just about, having space to learn, but it's also about having humility, which it's not that I need to pat myself on the back for having humility or other people are going to think I'm fantastic for having humility. It's not that. The value of humility comes in the place where I don't have to, and I don't have to believe that I have all the answers and that I'm on top yeah. of everything all the time. I can just live in a state of um, experimentation and openness yeah. and and um, it's a much more emergent sort of way of living than the person that's trying to nail down the hard realities of the world. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Another thing that you talk about in your book, well, it comes up often, is nature. And you mention Shinrin-yoku, which is the Japanese forest bathing that they practice over there, which is very good for mental well-being. Do you think that dynamic running therapy is enhanced by being in nature? Unquestionably. Mm. Uh, I, you know, there's the, 
it happens on a on an organic level on in the body with with the with with movement with hormones with light with uh, with the smells with the organic compounds that you take into yeah. your body that improve there's lots of research around all of this and and how it reduces your um, blood pressure and things like that all, all the things that help when you're um, anxious or depressed or yeah, it just seems that there are so many aspects of well-being that overlap, you know, movement, being in nature, sleep, social connections, mindfulness. The more people I interview, the more interconnected I feel like everything is when it comes to well-being. I, I totally agree. Well, I think that um, Cartesian split, the, 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 the mind-body split is, is, is really... I, it's a bit personally, I think that the same split happened with monotheism. I think that that's also a mistake. So I think that we're 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 slightly addled with a few historic ways yeah. of thinking of the world. But if we go back far enough, pre-monotheism, pre-Descartes, um, then we end up with a place where we once knew that when we were not feeling well or when we were feeling disconnected, what do Aborigines do? They go walk about. Yeah. You find your inner self, and you find it in the land, and you find being one with the world. Now we say to people, oh, read this book, or listen to this app, or, or you know, get on a boat and sail around the world. Or if you're stuck in, in a, you know, in a in a town out in the countryside even if it's not in the countryside even if you're a city there is still so much creativity available to you so much expression available to you. go and express a lot of it's free i mean i picked running because i think it's free and easy yeah. for anybody to I do and it. you can do it anywhere but and if it's... you can't run then go, then go and join a choir go and join the drumming thing as i mentioned there are a million things you go and do some uh uh, musical theater, go and learn how to make a chair. If you're a man, making things is particularly yeah. good. And if you don't, better still make the chair for somebody else. Make a bridge for somebody else. So it, it sounds like doing something is a big part of your yes. approach to therapy. And can we talk a little bit about the app that you've developed as well? Can you tell us how did you develop it? Where can we find it and all those things? It's uh, it's in the um, App Store, the Apple App yes. Store. It's 100% free. You search for dynamic running therapy. Um, you download it and um, and decide whether you want to do the mindful running on it or the mindful uh, uh, walking. Or perhaps if you have depression or anxiety, then you decide to do those programs. And it has this facility where as you're moving um, – the, and listening to me talking to you and asking you questions, it has a large microphone mm. icon on the screen. And so you can tap that and record your answer to the question that I'm asking you. And you then later write that down. And so it's using that same process of 20 sessions, uh, 20 minutes each. That's 400 minutes. I don't even know how long that is, eight hours or something. It's quite a long time, is it? Um, and, and you can do them multiple times. But you start to create a, a narrative for who you are and how you relate to your condition. And that's really important. Expectation yeah. plays a massive role in all of these things. 
Yeah, I really like the way you've got the ability to record within the app because you don't want to spend the run stressing out that you're going to forget what you were thinking about or the answer to the question you were pondering. Um, have you had some feedback about the app? Yeah, I have. I've had, I mean, I was really excited because the other day somebody I was speaking to said I was in a, <laughs> I was in a, in a sauna um, talking to the person next to me who was saying that they, they suffered from anxiety and we kind of bonded over that. And, um, uh, and then they said, oh, have you tried this new app? It's fantastic. And so, you know, I have. I've had people write to me and say how great it's been. And then I've had people telling me about how, how it's um, beginning to make a little bit of an impact. So I'm excited about it. You know, it's still fairly, day, fairly early days. It's, what, two or three years old, the app? Right. Oh, well, I think it's great. I really like it. I've used it well, I've been, when I've been running. Um, oh, fantastic. So if people want to connect with you, What's the best way to do that? William Pullen, Pullen at hotmail.com or via my website, Dynamic website. Running Therapy. Mm -hmm. um, or you could go to my Twitter, which is Pullen Therapy, or my Instagram, Pullen, uh, the D underscore Running Therapy, any of those things. Or there's a Facebook page too. Oh, goodness. <laughs> you should be easy to find. <laughs> and I'll put links to yes. all of that in the show notes. Fantastic. And, uh, and your book, I think you can buy that from Amazon. Is that right? That's or, right. And you've already yeah. mentioned your app can be purchased through the App Store. Finally, a question I like to ask all of my guests. If you could recommend two things that all people could do to improve their well-being, what would they be? Well, the first one I'd say is most people fail to really initiate well-being strategies. That sounds like a terrible phrase, but let's use it. A well-being strategy, even when they know they need it, and then when they do execute it, they execute it poorly. So it would be to execute it now, not later, mm -hmm. and to follow through with it. And, and, and just, even if you do it badly, just do it. That would be my first one. My second one would be um, uh, how to get started. Uh, the other trick to get getting started on whatever well-being strategy it is, is to begin with a very small step. Yeah. Don't think, oh, I'll wait till Monday when I've got more time or next month I've got more this. Just a tiny little baby steps. Even if you just move the dial one just keep the dial moving, and if you don't do it this week, don't. Uh, if you don't continue it this week, you can do it a little bit next week. Just keep the dial moving, and you'll gain momentum after a while. It's always hard at the beginning, which is why yeah. I say just do an easy step. But after about three or four, so or research shows that after three or four times of doing something, you your mind gets quite used to it, and you create momentum, and then it'll just take care of itself, and you'll yeah. find yourself like me. You'll find yourself a man that used to smoke, drink, and the rest, gamble, all, I mean, terrible lifestyle, who a year later had given up smoking and run the Paris Marathon. And if you had told me I would do either, Amazing. I would have laughed you out of a tree. So, and that was, that was totally because I just thought, you know, better to do it badly than not do it at all. Yeah, amazing. So uh, I'm sure the, I know the answer to this question, but do you feel a lot better physically and mentally? So much better. Yeah, like so, a so much person. better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
and I also use the running for for my mental health. I find it keeps me motivated mm. to be. To, I, I like the practice of running. It gives me something to do three times a week. I have friends that I run with, groups that I run with. Uh, but most of all, it gives me a lot. It just does great things yeah. for my mental health. After That's I've gone great. for a run, I just feel so much better. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I'm a mad keen trail runner. I absolutely love it. It's it's like oh. my oxygen, I think. I haven't gotten into trail running yet, but if I ever make it out to seeing you in Australia, I'll oh, come for a run with there's you. There's some great runs here. It's It's so beautiful. William, thank you for being a guest on my podcast. I've really enjoyed our chat today. Amanda, it's been a real pleasure. Thank oh, you thank for having you. me on. And that was William Pullen. You can subscribe to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, and while you're there, click on the bell to be alerted when new episodes are available. You can also subscribe on your favourite podcast app, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify or Google Podcasts. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Direct links to all social media can be found on the subscribe page of my website at www.amandaswellbeingpodcast.com. If you would like to contact me, you can send me a message via the contacts page on my website. Please feel free to suggest topics you'd like to learn more about and people you'd like to hear interviewed and I'll do my best to deliver that to you. Producing the podcast is a labour of love. We put in a lot of time, money and effort behind the scenes. So if you enjoy Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast and would like to make a contribution via Patreon, PayPal or by Amazon to help ensure we continue to provide you with excellent content, please visit the Contribute page on my website. Finally, please take a minute to leave a rating on iTunes. It improves visibility and will help me source excellent guests. Thank you for tuning in. Eat well, move well, think well.